before I preach, uh, maybe I can break the ice for a moment. Last week I was uh, preaching to a young people's conference and I told them I was 25 years in the Netherlands. I was 60 years in the United States and I was 35 years in Uganda. I said, that doesn't indicate my age, but a young man didn't hear that. And he went home to his mom and said, Mom, I listened to a man who was 120 years old. <laughs> well, that breaks the ice, I hope. Uh, let me uh, read two passages of Scripture, really one. We already spoke one and listened to one, and that was beautiful. That was beautiful. That really touches the heart, right? Especially, you say, forever, amen. <laughs> you did not stop until it was in our heart. Thank you. <laughs> now, uh, that is in Matthew 6. But there's also a Matthew 15. Verse 21, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, the Canaanite woman from that region came out of us crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, the Lord's Prayer tells you the what of prayer. The Canaanite woman shows you the why of prayer. And in the afternoon at 5 o'clock, I'll show you the how of prayer. So this whole day is dedicated uh, to, 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 to prayer. Now, I like one-liners. Because liners stick in your heart. I re always remember the one-liner that a fiery Irish evangelist presented us with. He said, evangelism is part of your sanctification. Wow. And then he said, if you don't evangelize, Christ is liable to spew you out of his mouth. Now, that liner stuck with me for all of my life and that is when I began to call, go from door to door and the man said uh, Henry uh, the one liner will not be a reality until I show you so he took me out and uh, I love one liners now I'm going to give you two one liners this morning the first one is is the Lord's Prayer a ritual or is it a reality Number one. Number two, when we take a look at the Canaanite woman, are we in the stands or are we in the arena? 
Now, if you believe that it's a ritual, if you believe you're in the stands, you know you need to improve. And that's why we go to the Lord's Supper. All right? And I intend to say a little bit more about it because my dear brother asked me whether I was willing to administer the Lord's Supper. I give the introduction. He takes the bread and I take the wine at the end. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you that the Holy Spirit will be in our midst in such a powerful way that it will be forever. Amen. Forever. And that the Word of God will lodge in our hearts and it will be unforgettable. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew tells us what the Lord's Prayer is and in Luke we hear that people ask him, teach us to pray. And I was very grateful for my dear brother when he prayed for the introduction together uh, of, the, of the, the Sunday service. He said, Holy Father. Now, that you don't hear that much, but that's exactly how Jesus addresses God in John 17. Holy Father. Not loving Father, not good Father, not merciful Father, not long-suffering Father, not patient Father. He is all that. But that is not the core. When you take a look at the Old Testament, we come face to face with the Father, the Holy One of Israel, who wants to be worshipped on a holy mountain in the splendor of holiness. In order, order for us to get there, He gave us His Holy Spirit. Now that is what undergirds the prayer of the Lord. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Those are the first three. The second three, give me today my daily bread, forgive me my debts, and deliver me from the evil one. There's the second three. And the third three is for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, what is the meaning of the first three so that it is not a ritual, but a reality? Well, the Lord Jesus says, Hallowed be your name. Put your name, the sum total of your perfections, your omnipotence, your omniscience, your immutability, what you are, also your holiness, your justice, your wrath, your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness, your patience. Put that name as a canopy over the totality of this earth, including the White House and the Senate and the House of Representatives and your bedroom and your garage. Put that canopy there, O oh Lord. When I go into Africa, I ask, what is your need? Oh, I have school fees. I need a job. I'm unemployed. I said, no, no, that's not your need. Huh? He said, no. Your need is that the name of God is not a canopy over this earth. That's your need. That's your greatest need. You're God-centered. And when you pray that, you say, put the canopy there and let me stay under it. Otherwise, it's a ritual. 
Please let me stay under that canopy of your name. Please, please, please. And then the Lord Jesus says, your kingdom come. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, how does the kingdom of God come? Through regeneration. When people call on the name of the Lord. And I'm so grateful that the Holmans are here. Because about uh, six months ago, we were in their home. And they decided to call on the name of the Lord. You call on the name of the Lord. Now, what do you call for? Well, when you say your kingdom come, and it only comes through regeneration, you say to the Lord, regenerate people, regenerate people, regenerate people, regenerate people, regenerate people. Forever. Amen. It's stuck in my heart. And if it's not a ritual, you say, use me, use me, use me, use me, use me. Now, have you ever heard this before? I don't think so. Because it's usually a ritual. Uh, but, but I'm only beginning, all right? Then the Bible says, you will be done. Now, how does that happen? Sanctified him, sanctified him, sanctified him, sanctified him, sanctified him. And Lord, use us, use us in sharing the word, sharing the word, sharing the word, sharing the word. Wow, I remember my uh, seminary days when uh, my professor was standing there. Hallowed be your name. Is it now my turn? Your kingdom come. Is it now my turn? Your will be done. Is it now my turn? Give me today my bread some turn I have often tell people never ask the Lord for your daily bread <laughs> why not I said well if you ask for your daily bread and you and the Lord answers your prayer he may take 50% of what you own away from you <laughs> because you have much more now why do we ask for our daily bread if we don't have our daily bread, if we have more, 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 what is the temptation to get away from the canopy of God? We are so rich that we don't need them anymore. We have everything, Laodiceans. We don't need anything. So, goodbye. And God says in the book of Deuteronomy, when you get to that land and you get all the riches, a land of flowing of milk and honey, and you never uh, built the... the and the houses, and you never worked on the crop, you're going to forget me. And so, Lord, keep us under that canopy and don't give us too much. And secondly, when we are evangelizing, we climb the hill of souls. And when we are preaching the word, we climb the hill of holiness. Now, have you ever tried to climb a hill uh, with too much on you? <laughs> You're never going to make it. And uh, not only that, but uh, since I cannot regenerate people and I cannot sanctify people, it is a Mount Everest. I'll never go to the, get to the top. Never. And a friend of mine said, uh, I don't mind to go to Africa with you, but give me an American toilet. <laughs> Without an American toilet, I am not coming. And I thought to myself, well, that's what the Apostle Paul prayed. He said, I've been whipped over, I've suffered shipwreck, but I'm so grateful that I always had an American toilet with me, and uh, I had one in, uh, in storage just in case it broke. 
Oh, my, 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 my. No, you climb the hill of souls and the hill of holiness. Don't overload me, Lord, because I'm not going to make it. I stay in the base camp. And then, Lord, forgive me my debts. I'm not a very good soldier. And uh, since I'm not a Gary, I'm not a very good soldier, I'm not going to lash out at other people. Uh, then I know my debts. Your debt to me is dwarfed by my debt to you. So here it is. Forgive you. Somebody once said to a woman, if your husband abuses you or to a man, if your wife is ornery and it's better to be on the rooftop, you know what I mean? Remember, their sin is not first against you. It's against him. And it will take a load of your shoulders. Of course I forgive. And I recognize how terrible I have been. And then deliver me from the evil one. Lord, I'm not a very good soldier either. But also, I'm not a very powerful soldier. God, God, God. One, two, three. Me, me, me. Four, five, six. But that's not where you stay. When I see you, and I see me, you know what I'm thankful for, Lord? That yours is the kingdom. Also in me and through me. That yours is the power. Also in me and through me. And yours is the glory. Also in me and through me. Now that is the Lord's Prayer. It took me at least close to 60 years before I finally understood what he was telling me. It has been a ritual. Now you see, when you hear it sung like that, it doesn't look like a ritual, does it? Huh? Right? Amen? And now I explain it. Now I know why it is not. So thank you, lady. And thank you for assigning this to us. Is it a reality? Or is it a ritual? Now from zero to 100, ask yourself the question, uh, where do I mark myself? And I think that... Uh, we all have at least some eggs on our faces, right? And some of us have a lot. Amen? That is the what. Now, the why is the Canaanite woman. Now, why in the world does she talk to Jesus the way she does? Well, she talks to Jesus four times. And four times, Jesus gives a response. Now, I have it all written out. I don't have it here. And also the stuff this afternoon on two pages. And so we're going to print it and we're going to give it to you. And you can remember that for the rest of your life. Hopefully. 
forever. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. You, sp you sparked me. Uh, all right. In the proper fashion, of course. You understand. Um, well, first of all, the lady cries out to Jesus when she sees him, Son of David, have mercy. Now, why? Because she sees an unfathomable darkness in her girl. Now, let me ask you, um, um, you understand when I was in Africa, uh, I heard a message on this. He said, you know, folks, if you're sick, you come over to Jesus and you can take care of it. We call that the prosperity gospel, all right? Everything is fine. Everything is wonderful. You go to Jesus and, ah, oh, the windows of heaven are opening up. Now, of course, the windows of heaven do open up, but the question is what comes out of it. This girl was as healthy as those young ladies there. Absolutely healthy. She was a specimen of health. So she was not sick. She was dark. There was a darkness in her. Satanic forces. And when, she, and when she sees Jesus, how she knows that he is the son of David, I don't know. Because he was a pagan. She was a Gentile. And how she knew that it was the son of David, the king. She recognized the only way to get the darkness out of her, the prince of darkness out of her, is by the king of light. The only way. And she, have mercy. Now, mercy in the Bible is always given to people who um, are terminal. In other words, if you're beaten to a pulp, you need a good Samaritan to give you mercy. If you're a publican, you go to Jesus, you go to God to ask for mercy because you're not going to make it. 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 And he says, this, my daughter, is not going to make it. Lord, have mercy. And that ever-loving Jesus does not give her an answer. Now, that is kind of amazing, right? He loves loving. He is long-suffering. He is patient. He, he's helpful, everything else. Silence. Now I ask the uh, preachers, have you ever thought that there was silence after a lot of ministry and all of a sudden there's no answer, there's nothing? Yeah. I said, well, that's what the woman experiences. And then number two, she begins to shout. She does not only have an intolerable burden, but when there is no answer, she has a sense of despair, and she shouts. And uh, the church said to Jesus, shut her up. And that is often the way the church acts, right? You're too, you're too, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're over the top. Calm down, cool down, sit down, stay down, go to sleep. <laughs> right? Mark, <laughs> that's what the church is doing. And uh, Jesus says, no. <laughs> First, Jesus doesn't give you an answer. Then he says, no, to his shouting. 
Now, what would you do and I do when there's first silence and then there's no, you know, uh, Jonathan Edwards wrote a, a sermon on a, a verse in Job, the hypocrite will not always call in the name of the Lord. A hypocrite is going to stop. You can count on that. And then what does he do? Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is awesome. She goes on her knees in total surrender. Total surrender. Whatever, Lord. I'm going to believe you. You're the only one. I have no choice. And I totally surrender myself. I remember in Malawi, uh, the young people in a course uh, of students uh, sang the song, I surrender all, I surrender all. There was a young lady there. Her name was Christine Komkozy. I still remember it. I said, uh, do you know what it means to uh, surrender? I said, yes. I said, okay, I'll give you the middle name. Christine, surrender, come cozy. Now, in the middle of the week, she was sitting in the, in the, in the center. She was no longer <laughs> sitting in the front. I don't know why not. But <laughs> she was sitting in the, in the middle. I said, okay, Christine, uh, let me ask you a question. Would you like to be the queen bee in a beehive? Now, you understand, of course, when you're the queen bee in the beehive, uh, you will um, never see daylight any longer. Even if you swarm, all the bees are around you. And secondly, you're going to produce all the children. In fact, two weeks ago I heard that the queen bee lays 1,500 eggs every day. So you are going to get make thousands of children. <laughs> Would you like to be the queen bee? And I looked, I saw her, her head flew off her shoulders. No, 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 darn, no light. Having to produce all those children, no. I said, Christine, I take your middle name back. And she never forgot that. And every six months or so, at first, and now a little longer, she writes me an email. That one-liner stuck with her. And she never, ever forgot it. And this woman goes on her knees in total surrender. I don't hold anything back, Lord, ever anything. I, I hold nothing back, nothing. I totally surrender myself in everything to you. And then the Lord Jesus explains it to her and said, I cannot give the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, when you would say to somebody, you're a dog, that is very pejorative, that is mean. But in those days, dogs were well accepted. But just like the mother who gave pork chops to her children, and the five-year-old uh, cut off the bone and took the, uh, the, the rest, the, the meat in his hand, and he was going to give it to his dogs. And the mother notices that, no, 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 that's not for dogs. They can eat dog food, but uh, this is for the children, it's for you. And that is how you can envision 
the Lord Jesus talking to us. Now, if you first have no answer, then you have the answer no, and then you have the explanation, then you say to yourself, well, apparently it's a lost cause, but not a woman. She says, Lord, I see light in the end of the tunnel. I've never seen a, a little fellow, a little gal, eating bread at the table if there are no crumbs falling on the, on the ground. And I am going to get my crumb. And then Jesus says, lady, 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 lady. That is awesome. Awesome. How great is your faith. Your daughter will be healed from the darkness instantaneously. In other words, praise the Lord. Now, the question, of course, arises, uh, what is going on there, all right? Like a young man in a sermon in Lookout Mountain said, uh, that's a woman for you. I would like to meet her. Eventually, that's a woman for you. Well, that's it for today. Go home and enjoy your supper, your dinner, or your fellowship dinner here, all right? You know, whatever. And I said, there must be some more to it. You see, the first instance is a school of the Lord's Prayer. It's a school, and we must graduate. But this is also a school. Jesus wants to show everybody, you and me, you must have an intolerable burden about the darkness. Now, when you have a little baby, uh, I mentioned it to you before, in the womb, and you know that a baby has to be born again, right? Otherwise, they're going to make it. That baby has to be justified. Otherwise, the baby's not going to make it. The baby has to be sanctified. Otherwise, they're going to make it. So there's an unfathomable darkness in your womb. If you need to be born, you need to be born again because your heart is wicked. You need to be justified because your past is wicked. You must be sanctified because your life is wicked. In fact, as I told you the last time, that heart is called the cobra, the past is called dung, and the life is called poison, and I share it with the hormones. And so when you have a baby in your womb, you put your arms on it, and your, your husband's hand too, both, and you say, good morning, little cobra, good morning, little dung, good morning, little poison, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, and I'll, I will t I'll give you Jesus all the days of my life. Lord, that unfathomable darkness on my inside, will you please remove it? You see, that's why wherever I go, I always see grieving parents and, and, and grandparents about kids who, uh, everywhere I go. And that's I'm so thankful, my dear brother, that you take your kids with you, all right? And that is what I really struck me that when I talk first to your wife and later to you, uh, that the kids were listening, 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 listening. And that is a gift. 
is the kids don't say, ah, we don't want anything to do with, with that. That shows you that they are cobras and they're dung and they're poison. And, you have an, and when it doesn't happen, you have to have a sense of despair. Lord, do it. They're six, seven years old and they're ornery. And Lord, when they're 50 years old, they like to leave the house. Total surrender, Lord. And then you see the grace of God. And he said, Lord, there is light to the end of the tunnel, but it's not in me, it's in you. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In other words, an intolerable burden is not enough. You've got to develop. And as Jesus says, not enough, lady. You've got to have a sense of despair if it's not coming. It's not enough, lady. You must have a total surrender. And that's the not, not enough, lady. You must have an unwavering faith. Now, that's why you pray. And now the question is, are you in the stands applauding the lady or are you in the arena? Now, examine yourself and ask yourself the question, from zero to 100, where do I stand? <laughs> we have eggs on our face, and not only the white, but also the yellow. All right. <laughs> now, what do you think you need? I never forget a preacher who said, I never preach unless I give him a call to action that is required by the preaching. In other words, pray. The Lord's Prayer. Pray like the woman. And know the what and know the why. And then he sends, his, sends you home. But the Bible does not send you home like that. The Bible says when the, the people got together, they uh, listened to the word, the apostolic teaching, Acts 2. And then they have fellowship. They talk to each other. Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? So I think that in the services, uh, and I think Justin Martyr and also um, um, uh, Augustine uh, went that way, that after every sermon, uh, the preacher would say, okay, talk about, talk about it for a few minutes. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Okay, thank you. And uh, you know the call to action, right? But the problem is that without Jesus, you can do nothing. So every call to action that doesn't drive you to Jesus still ends up in nothing because that's what Jesus says. And that is why most sermons don't have any uh, effect. Isn't that true? Huh? Ask yourself, what was the effect of the sermon I heard last week? Zero. <laughs> right? Right? Be honest. Me, everybody. First of all, because they don't give one-liners, it doesn't stick in your mind. And secondly, they don't tell you to go to Jesus. And that's why I love the Lord's Supper after every sermon. Every sermon should give you a one-liner. Is the reality of a ritual? Are you in the stand or in the arena? Then every sermon would say, wow, I'm not going to make it. I'm not there. I need mercy. And everyone would say, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, otherwise you're not going to do it. So the good sermon and the good service is, 
Did you get a one-liner? Did you say, ouch? Because we confess our sin together. Every time in the church you confess your sin, well, there must be a reason for it. And if you hear a word, you get, they say, now, now I understand it, now I understand it. I have not done um, the sins of, uh, oh, uh, too many sins of omission, too many sins of commission. Well, but now we, we make it very personal in the air of prayer. Give me Jesus. So every, after every sermon, should be one-liner, should be ouch, and the congregation said, now we know what to do, but don't let us go. Give me the Lord's Supper. I want to eat and drink Jesus in order to act upon it. Now, the Lord's Supper, according to, and I, I read, because my dear brother asked me to fence the table, because now we go to the Lord's Supper, for I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of, Jesus, of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You examine yourself so that you will not do it in an unworthy fashion. We are always, we are never worthy, but we can do it in an unworthy fashion. Now, how do we do it in a worthy fashion? Well, the secret is that it's the new covenant in his blood. And I've never heard anybody preach on that. The new covenant shows you the definitive gospel. I'll take the heart of stone out of you, give you a heart of flesh. I wash you of all your filth and put the Holy Spirit within you. In other words, through the cross, the cobra is dead, the dung is gone, and the, and the destructive life is like poison is gone. Out of the grave comes the heart of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, and the holiness of Jesus, and you have it. Now, then you, are, you graduate from a wretched sinner into a wretched saint. And you know that uh, I am not up to snuff. I go back to the new covenant, not in terms of the definitive aspect, but in its progressive aspect. I need repentance and faith. And I come to Jesus. Coming out of your new heart. I need forgiveness. Coming out of your new righteousness. I need holy renewal, holiness. Coming out of your definitive holiness. And the beauty, brothers and sisters, the beauty is that Jesus says, here I am. If you partake of it in faith, I give you repentance and faith. I grant you forgiveness. And I grant you holiness. And you walk out. And the Lord's Prayer is no longer a ritual. It is a reality. And you're no longer in the stands. But you're in the arena. Because you went to him. Now, if you don't want repentance, don't come. If you don't want forgiveness, don't come. If you don't want change, holiness, transformation, don't come. Because I promise you, the Bible says, because you did it in an unworthy fashion, that's why many people are sick and some of you even die. 
Do you understand when Jesus says, I give you my body, my blood, my, my blood for re forgiveness and repentance, for repentance and faith, for forgiveness and for holiness, and you just spurn it? I, I'm going to lay you low, and sometimes three feet under. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the love of our God. He says, you must in your prayer life. I can't and I didn't enough. Here I am. You may abide in the vine. And then you'll bring forth fruit. Much fruit. More fruit. Abiding fruit. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the glory of sharing the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to ask my brother. I fence the tables and you can share the bread and I will share the wine. And if you do it right, you put your bread in your mouth as long as you can. He says, thank you, Lord, for repentance. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for holiness. And when you have the wine is, you leave it as long as you can. He says, mm, I, I really... Thank you for your faith and repentance. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your holiness. And when you say thank you, the Lord's Supper becomes the Eucharist. I love the Lord's Supper. Just like you uh, share with your kids food all, the, all day long, every morning, every afternoon, every evening. The Lord Jesus shares himself as the food for life. And so, my dear brother, I will pray. And would you like to come and to administer the bread? I always do it like this. As the, uh, Jesus gave the, uh, gave the bread to the disciples, it is my privilege to give it to you. As the Lord Jesus gave the, the cup, to his disciples, it is my privilege to give it to you. Eat, drink, rejoice in the love of God to grant you forgiveness, uh, faith and repentance, forgiveness and holiness. Praise the Lord and go into the world. And today, with a more powerful prayer life, no longer a ritual, but in the arena. And if you come for that to Jesus, you get it. If you don't come for that, stay away. Because you step on Jesus rather than eat and drink. Brother, would you like to come? After prayer, you can take the bread and I take the wine and hand it out. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we come to you in prayer because the Lord... Lord Jesus prayed before it was all handed out to his disciples. And so we do follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus. And we uh, admit, Father, and we confess that we are not very good soldiers and we are not very powerful soldiers. But that's precisely why we come to you. Because we know that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And so, Lord, as the bread and the wine is handed out, 
grant that people may understand its glory and partake of it, and then show fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and abiding fruit throughout their lives, forever, forever. Amen. And so we thank you that we may pray this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.